Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Attention to Detail. We are well into freezing cold January here in at least Michigan where I am recording um, and I am joined by my fabulous co-host Hannah Reffitt. Hannah, where are you at the moment and uh, is it as freezing as it is here in Michigan? Yes, it is freezing here where I am still at mom and dad's, the old faithful. It is... I don't even know. I think it's like maybe 30 degrees or so where I am. And it's like there's a mix of snow and rain going on right now. And it's just pretty bleak. I don't want to go outside in it at all. Yeah. I actually went for a run this morning with with a friend. And it uh, we basically timed it perfectly because right when we finished, it was like blizzarding, basically. And <laughs> 10 minutes later, and we, it would have been impossible to run. So... We'll get out of it soon enough. We'll all have a vaccine and it'll be great. Um, I'm excited. So the topic for our podcast today is I I figured we would just kind of talk a little bit about re-listening to music. So listening to music multiple times. It's something that all of us do all the time. Um, You think about radio stations. There are entire radio stations dedicated to top 40, for example, and they just play songs over and over and people listen. And I think all of our listeners will know the experience of listening to the same piece of music or song several times, maybe in a row, maybe once a day for for many days kind of getting hooked on a song, having having it stuck in your head. And I want us to just kind of talk a little bit about that. It's a it's an interesting phenomenon, but also uh, discuss maybe in, a, in the spirit of our attention to detail mindset here on the podcast, how we can approach re-listening in a little more mindful way um, and maybe get a little bit more out of each of our re-listens. So right off the bat, Hannah, I'm just curious, is this, uh, what type of listener are you? Is this an experience that, that resonates with you? Do you, um, like when you listen to music, do you get kind of stuck on certain songs or do you tend to listen to something new every time? You know, I try to listen to new music. I'm a big Spotify listener um, for discovering new music. And like they're just, their algorithm just blows my mind. The weekly discover playlist that they submit to you, I will try to listen to that. But I get in such deep music ruts sometimes, especially when I'm listening to just like popular music in a sense where I will just go to albums that I know that I enjoy and just listen to them on repeat as sort of, especially during 2020, I definitely do that in forms of comfort. Um, And then in the realm of classical music, I do tend to pursue um, pieces that I'm familiar with just because of, especially this podcast, I have all these great techniques of listening that I can go back um, to the pieces that I'm already familiar with, whether having, you know, sat through a live performance, um, or I'm just familiar because it's in the, the 
wide canon that is used today. And I will go back and listen to those. So it takes, honestly, it takes a little bit of effort to discover new things for me, for sure. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is, can you just kind of describe a little bit? You mentioned there that when you need some comfort, maybe, or something like that, you go back to music that you're familiar with. Describe a little bit the different mindset that you might have when you choose I'm going to listen to a, something that I know versus I'm going to explore and and listen to new music. Are there certain scenarios where you prefer one over the other? I'm I'm curious what what you what you do and what what causes you to listen to music again. Yeah, I think it just depends on like what I'm doing currently in my life if if the structure of my day is one that I really don't have much time to dedicate the time to explore or even in a mental capacity of like to clear my mind to listen to new music. That's pretty significant for me on a personal level. Like I have to, I find it far easier for me to listen to new music when I'm going for a walk or taking a shower or something like that. But when I just don't have like the mental space to clear my mind, I will immediately put on something that I've been listening for a decade. If that answers your question. It definitely does. And I think, I mean, what I hear there, and I think this is probably, this gels with a lot of people's experience is that it's intellectually or mentally harder to listen to a new song or piece of music because it's unfamiliar, it requires your attention the entire time as opposed to, you know, only part of the time because you don't know what's coming next. Um, Mm. And so I think that probably jives with with most of our listeners' experience of re-listening to stuff. You try to listen to new stuff when you're in a kind of energetic, exploratory, let's go do new things type of mood. And I know for me, for example, when I am going for a walk, like you said, is a great time to listen to new music. But I just contrast that when I go for a run and I'm pushing myself and it's kind of mentally draining in a way. I'm, you know, I'm having to use my mind to tell myself to keep going. And when I'm running, I tend to listen to stuff that I already know because it's, it's like not mentally taxing. I don't need to focus on it. And then it's just kind of, it acts as like a motor of some kind. Um, I will admit embarrassingly that I listen to classical music while I run, which I'm sure not many people do at all, but, uh, I'm, I'm here to own up to that, but same, same type of thing. It's, it's, uh, re-listening is kind of comforting. And so what I want to do on today's podcast, because of course, nothing on attention to detail is about taking that experience away. If people use music to relax to find comfort, all these things. I think that's great. I think we all do that. And I'm not here to encourage anyone to stop doing that. The goal of this podcast, however, is to talk about those moments when we listen a little more attentively, when we want to challenge ourselves, when we want to develop our ears or minds in some way. And so maybe we can actually do that, not only when we're finding a new piece, But when we're re-listening to something, it doesn't always have to be that comforting experience. It can also be an equally invested exploratory experience as we have when we're listening to a new piece. 
that's what you'll get when you, you know, if you go to a concert hall and you're going to see Hannah's favorite Beethoven 7, Hannah's heard that many, many times. And, but how can, you know, someone listen to that in a concert hall where you have to sit still and be quiet and not just slip into that kind of, okay, this is a relaxing moment, but instead, oh, I've gone to a concert and I really am going to challenge myself and explore. So we want to look at re-listening in this way, and this is not to take away from any of the comfort or relaxation or anything like that can, that can be gained from re-listening. But, you know, if you can find those moments during your day, you're in the car and something comes on that you already know, instead of just slipping into a state of relaxation, maybe you decide I'm going to really listen to this attentively and try to get a lot out of it. So what we've done is Hannah and I have both chosen a piece or a song for the other person that they don't know. And what we're going to do is we're going to just listen to it a few times. And uh, the first time in a way, I'm sure will be the most challenging. It'll be fresh for us and we're trying to get our bearings on everything. But then we're just going to listen a couple more times and, and give our honest reactions. And we're really going to, we're going to try to listen attentively. So we're not just going to try to zone out. But we're just going to reflect on what we gain from listening attentively to these things over and over. Um, so I'm thinking maybe Hannah, do you want to start here? I'll I'll give you a piece that you can listen to, and uh, and you can just kind of give your honest reactions about how you feel listening to this this piece a few times. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay, so the piece that I've got for you is this piece, actually, that one of my friends alerted me to. Um, It's Haydn's 60th symphony. Haydn wrote 104 symphonies, so there's plenty to go around, and very few people know all of them. But this is one that I I was alerted to by my friend, and I really love it. And I'm going to have Hannah listen to the exposition of the first movement, for those who are uh, trying to play along with the music theory terminology of the day. And uh, it's about a minute of music. And Hannah, just first off, let's just listen. And I'm curious to get your general take on this piece. And you can kind of listen attentively in whatever way you choose. Uh, You don't have to apply any of our specific techniques. You can if that comes up and you feel like doing so. But I'm just interested in hearing your kind of honest reactions to what you hear, and then we'll listen a couple more times. So here we go. Here is Haydn's 60th Symphony, first movement, about a minute from the the beginning here.
All right, so Hannah, first listen and just give us your general impressions of what you heard. Well, I really enjoyed it. Um, it just felt so joyful and light and airy and grand, but there's also like this busy determination about it and it comes in and out of like this really nice refined moment and then there's like this burst of energy. I just really loved it. It was very lovely. Nice. I like it. So I think my impression from your first reactions to this and my impression from most people's first reactions to this, and I'm curious if you feel this is generally the case, is that people, when they listen uh, the first time, they get a few kind of mood adjectives that are suggested to them by the music. So in this case, you were saying kind of joyful, majestic. There was also maybe one kind of structural big point that you picked up on in the middle of this clip where it kind of loses some energy and then it comes back. Um, but that's my impression that I get from a lot of people listening on first glance is it's it's a lot about the kind of emotion and a few key kind of mood adjectives that jump out to them. Is that your, is that your impression of when you listen to a song, how you, how you generally hear it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's, that's great. Um, and it's an excellent way to, to listen. And now I'm just curious, let's, let's do it again. And, you know, at risk of, I think part of the, the cool thing about this exercise is that when you listen in rapid succession, like we're going to do here, uh, it can probably get pretty boring quickly if you're not listening closely for new things. And so let's listen again. And I'm just curious to hear any new reactions that you might have from listening the second time. So here's our, our clip for the second time. Uh, we'll play it a second time for the listeners as well, just to, to, so everyone can, can hear it along with Hannah. Okay, Hannah, so you and I just listened for a second time, and interestingly, <laughs> admittedly, you know, it, it, as you listen in rapid succession, it becomes, uh, I wouldn't say tedious necessarily, but it, it actually, to gain something new requires a little more mental investment. In this particular case, 
this is the exposition of this first movement, and our more advanced listeners will know that very often, as is the case here, the exposition gets repeated. So in a performance, you would literally hear this twice in succession. So we're just recreating a performance setting here. But any new reflections, I'm curious, this this second time around that, that were additions, differences from the first time you listened? Yeah, it's really interesting when you get the opportunity to zoom in on a section like this in a, in a sense where like I was really picking up on the busy determination that I picked up on the first listen in a sense where the strings really seem to be like having a heavy hand, like a bossy nature as to like how the piece is moving along and moving forward. And it's almost like, um, like a, a parent or like a dog owner, like being very, uh, forceful and guiding, like the direction of the dog walk, if you know what I mean. So I really picked up on that in this lesson. Yeah, that's, I find that interesting. And I think, um, this is a great lesson also for our, for our listeners, because, uh, cause Hannah, like so many of our listeners and unlike myself is, is not a trained classical musician. And when I re-listen, I have kind of these terms or very specific parameters with classical music that I have kind of been taught or primed to listen to. And one of those that I actually was doing this time was I was kind of listening closely to what I would call the articulation of this passage, which is the shortness or crispness or lack thereof that the players are playing with. And I actually was very drawn to exactly what you said, Hannah, which is the articulation in the strings is what I would say. And all that means is exactly what you said. But for someone like Hannah and for most of our listeners, instead of those terms that you're using, uh, you're putting it into some sort of image or, you know, some sort of kind of uh, description. And that's exactly what our podcast is all about. It's about kind of taking our attention and connecting it to what we hear in ways that we can understand. And so I think actually we would have described it in slightly different ways, but we had very similar re-listening experiences, focusing in, and you said specifically on the strings there. So I think that's, that's great. And you kind of took an opportunity to listen to more detail in the clip. So Let's do this uh, one more time, and let's let's listen one more time. And again, there are no right or wrong answers here, but we'll play the whole thing once more. I'll let our listeners, they can skip it if they don't want to participate in this exercise, but but if you want to listen once more, uh, that's great. And, and Hannah, we'll just hear what you get from this the third time. This is uh, past what you would hear in a live performance, but let's listen one more time attentively with no particular goals in mind and, and see how it goes.
right, so third time we've listened through this now. Hannah, same question. Any new developments, anything you heard that time that you didn't hear the first few? Um, I just had more of an enjoyment of it in general, in a sense where I sort of allowed myself to just sit back and let it wash over me and not be as deeply analytical, in a sense where I just really was able to take in the journey of this very short clip in a sense where it, there's a lot of it there's a lot of dips and then there's a lot of um high points to the to this whole clip which is really really fun in a sense where you get this short little bit of music and then the journey within it is just there's a lot which is really great um I don't know what else I have to add. Yeah, no. that I really enjoy it. But I think you pointed to yet another thing in this clip that I have noticed uh, at points re-listening to this, which is, again, a term that we might use in the musical world that might not be uh, familiar to everybody necessarily, but that's the term of dynamics, which basically means loudness. And through this clip, there are many dynamic dips and... Uh, explosions of, of sound and you know even in the first few seconds it starts very quietly then it's very loud then it goes back to very quiet very loud um, so another thing that that you picked up on which I think is is great and something new to be found every time I actually had a great time re-listening for this third time this is not my third time re-listening this is probably my hundredth time but I was just realizing how many new things I heard this time I, I was kind of trying to focus specifically on the lower instruments of this particular performance. And it was making me realize, you know, you can listen, there are uh, about 12 different instrumental parts playing in this particular (laughs) recording. And in any given listen, if you want, and you're re-listening, you can listen really closely to one of those. And each one of those is like its own solo part that you can listen to that has nuances of articulation and dynamics and whatever. Um, and so it's, I just find this fascinating that there's so much to be gained um, from re-listening. And it's an interesting thing. I mean, you think about, uh, and, and for interested listeners, they should go and listen to our episode a ways back where we interviewed Elizabeth Helmuth Margulis, who has a book actually about this very phenomenon, along with other repetitions in music. But she talks a lot about why we, we re-listen. Um, And it's fascinating because you think about uh, other even artistic media or just things that we do in daily life. You don't um, you don't rewatch the same episode of a TV show every night for 10 nights or whatever. That would just get really boring. Um, And yet there's this enjoyment that you can get from re-listening to music uh, that that is fascinating and it makes it such a rich art form to engage with because you can always re-listen simply for comfort and enjoyment or for new things because there's endless new things. I mean, I'm sure there are endless new things in a TV show too. You can look at like the little nuances of a specific shot that they made, but I don't think it's quite the same where you, you potentially have an even more enriching experience the fifth and the sixth time that you watch something. Maybe a, a film critic would would disagree with me. I'm, I'm curious, actually, Hannah, to ask you about your, your theater background and if you feel like you've probably seen shows several times, maybe even 
performed shows multiple times. And I'm curious if you feel like the genre of plays and musicals and, and theater in general, this is also something that people, you know, I think people can watch Hamilton or something more than once and probably enjoy it. But do you feel like it's, um, what's your experience kind of, uh, re rewatching or reacting or whatever a, a play or a musical? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the, the purpose for professional theater or even academic theater, which is meant to get those people practicing academic theater is to get them into professional theater is that once you go through the tech process, the final stages of rehearsal of theater, you freeze the show. So it's meant to be consumed by a new audience every performance, and it's supposed to be the same for every performance. So it's not intended for people to be coming every night, though personally uh, there's been an instance of a musical that came out on Broadway maybe about five or six years ago that I found the opportunity to go and see five times. But the thing was, when I was seeing it those five times, there were changes with each of those five performances that I got to see. And, And it was because of those changes of a new character, a new actor in a, in a character that I want, wanted to go see it for an additional time, or I wanted to go and see it before it closed on Broadway. So I think that as a theater viewer, you go multiple times to see the purposeful changes that have been made while a show is running. So it's, not necessarily advised it's great economically for people to continue to come and see a show but it's created to become static so that people can see it once and they've made a good investment and that they can go back home wherever that may be so I there are small nuances that change that are very beneficial for someone to come and see it multiple times yeah you know that's that's actually a really interesting thing because I think one of the biggest distinctions that concept of freezing a show is something that it's not that it doesn't exist in the classical music world, but I think it's a topic of big debate actually, because a lot of conductors, a lot of performers actually aim to bring something different, some spontaneity, something like that to every night of a performance. And I imagine maybe with acting, it's it's similar that there's a certain amount of spontaneity in the acting process that that should be fluid from night to night. But but it's interesting that you say that there's like, you know, in professional theater, the goal is and it makes sense to really freeze the show so that everybody on Broadway gets the same experience. But the interesting thing about music is that recordings, for example, are totally frozen. And so we just listen to the same recording over and over and uh, that's that's totally frozen. You know, it's it's a perfect realization of something being frozen because it's the exact same thing. And even with the exact same thing, there's plenty to listen to multiple times over and over and over. It's the same with any song that you listen to, for example, that's not re-performed by different people. That's frozen and you can only hear that one version of the song. So you're not listening to performance differences or something like that. But you also, in classical music particularly, you have that added element of performance differences. And that's something we should point out before we move on to Hannah's example here is that, you know, talk about re-listening. If we listen to a different, you know, three different recordings of Haydn's 60, 
there would be an entirely new set of things that we could be listening for on our re-listens because they're different performances. And so like uh, a show with different actors, you know, we're listening for, ooh, they took a little more time there, a little less time there. Ooh, they played that less articulately than uh, than this recording. Ooh, they did fewer dynamic dips and, and explosions than this recording. Um, and so it just brings a world of, of possibility. And so that's why I find music to be almost unique in its kind of, uh, in the kind of bountifulness of what you can re-listen to um, and what you can get out of re-listening. So with that, now we're going to do something that admittedly we don't do very much on this podcast, but and, and I'm a little nervous about, but it'll be fun nonetheless. Hannah has chosen a song for me to listen to, which is not classical music, and I'm going to give it a listen, and we're going to do a few re-listens to this, this song that Hannah has chosen, and maybe it'll be a similar phenomenon the other way around, where I'll say things that are uh, probably would only be said by a classical professional, and they might not be in the kind of general popular music parlance, but Hannah can translate them or whatever, and uh, it'll maybe be interesting to hear my take on listening to a piece of more popular music here over and over. Um, before we start, though, can you tell me and our listeners a little bit about uh, what you've chosen here and, and what, this, what this actually is and why you uh, elected to choose this particular song? So not a lot of thought went into picking this particular piece. Jacob, as you know, you texted me and asked me to send you a piece that I have been listening to on repeat. And this song uh, was in my top five for 2020, according to Spotify, which um, tracks. It is uh, Help Me Lose My Mind by Disclosure and uh, London Grammar. So, um, I like it. That was that was the point. Yeah. I, I wanted to listen to a song that you have been listening to on repeat because that means that it's already been battle tested. It also has a nice 2020 themed uh, title <laughs> of "Help yeah. Me Lose My Mind." Not that any of us needed any help in doing so, but um, yeah, let's let's give this uh, a listen, and we'll listen to a little portion of this song. And I'll just give my impressions of what I hear. And Hannah, I'm curious to hear yours as well now listening to this for for the however manyth time. So here we go. This is uh, Help Me Lose My Mind, which, like I said, no need for help there, but we'll do this nonetheless. So here's our, our first listen.
All right. So first listen, I uh, I enjoyed it. My my first impression is that there's a lot that I want to focus on in subsequent listens because I could already feel myself not catching nearly everything and it's just the type of person that I am. I want to catch everything. And so I'll, uh, there's things that I know I want to focus on in future listens. Um, I think one thing that, that made me this way or that I think is actually an excellent exercise for people in kind of attentive listening is what they make us do in, in college or high school theory classes or something, which is melodic dictation, where you're played a melody and you have to notate it. And it's this very intense process where, you know, you're trying literally to catch everything and you have to write it down. And when you don't catch everything, you've highlighted the spots where you need to listen more closely next time because you didn't get the melody in that particular spot. And so that's like kind of in a way how I'm listening. Anyways, my general reactions is I was drawn to the kind of beat of this song um, more than anything else on this first listen. And what I noticed was, especially in the first half, there was a lot of silence or the use of um, uh, no beat or a very mellow beat. The whole thing had this kind of mellow vibe and it was softer. It wasn't really like a headbanger or anything like that. But there were several moments where the beat either fully dropped out or became very sparse. And then it would come back and get a little more energetic and rhythmic. In the middle, there was a long period. It kind of felt like the, the climax where we had actually a, a kind of motoric beat going for a while. But then even that dropped out to a period of complete silence, I think, from the beat perspective. And then it came back in its more mellow, sparse fashion. So that's something that I found myself pretty drawn to right off the bat. And then there were little other things I was kind of noticing, the space ambiance of some of the synth that was going on in the background. And, um, but, but I didn't, I, I didn't catch nearly all of what I would have liked to, but that's what I was drawn to was the kind of mellowness and changing quality of the beat. Um, how about you, Hannah? What what were your impressions listening? First, it's so fun to hear it broken down by <laughs> you. And like, it's so fun to hear Way it. Way too analytical, presumably. <laughs> no, I love it so much. Um, I just It's just a chill beat for me, and it makes me just want to move around. And it just I cannot wait for the world to be vaccinated so, you know, we can all just jive to an electric beat like this it'll be just so much fun um yeah it's it's just chill for me and it just it's a nice beat and it's just fun it makes me want to be around people that's interesting because it doesn't really have the kind of party vibe to me it sounds like something you would play if you were going for a little classier Maybe maybe it's not like a wine and cheese night type of uh, song, but something in between. I wouldn't play it's it at for like the a depressed break. partier. I see. Is what I, I would see. Say. Okay, yeah, that's I, that. That makes sense. It's it's like a, but it's uh, I didn't get a overly. It, it didn't feel like a depressed song necessarily. Mm. It's just uh, it's it's mellow. Um, I like it. It it was it was it was fun to listen to. So. 
we're, I'm going to listen to it a few more times. Uh, maybe for this one, because it's a little longer clip, um, we'll just play a little clip of it on the podcast. If you want to listen to the whole thing again, you know, it's it's just a few minutes back and you can you can scroll back and then come back to this this spot. But we'll play we'll play like the first half of the clip a couple more times as as I listen to it myself. Um, and same thing that Hannah did. I'm just going to listen again and give my give my impressions. Okay, so second listen, that time I found myself really listening to the, I don't even know how I would describe it, in in kind of classical terms, it might be what I would call the harmonic background, or what how I would describe that is the kind of tones that are going, it's this kind of synthesizer that's underneath the vocals, above the beat, you know, and are kind of, if we're spatializing this, this song, and it was interesting. There were basically a few elements that were being used. The, 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 the main one is this kind of swelling sound that starts very pure and then it gets this kind of distortion and fades out. You know, it goes, wah, and it kind of, it comes in and <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it like comes in and then there's this kind of distortion that makes it quiet down again. And that's one one thing that continues to go throughout kind of the entire clip. It's in a very specific register, so like how high or low it is. And it stays there almost the entire clip, but there were a couple very notable moments when you're listening to that where you're suddenly, when it switches, one of them was maybe 30 seconds, 40 seconds into the clip where it suddenly goes higher and it's one of those moments, I think, where the beat drops out and it feels a little more ethereal. And it's a very notable moment because suddenly that has jumped and this register that we've been in the whole song and will continue to be in is kind of interrupted. And then there's this other sound that keeps coming, which is this kind of ricocheting uh, note that it sounds like a ball bouncing. Bump, it's this little like it's almost like uh you've dropped a ball on a surface and it and it bounces a few times very quickly and they seem to introduce that you hear that several times when the beat is going so that's this kind of melodic or harmonic emphasizer of the fact that it's a upbeat passage and so 
it was an interesting kind of soundscape that I was listening to there because in one way you'd think it's kind of boring. There's no real melody played by any instruments there or it's just this thing kind of fading in and out. But there's actually a lot of interesting stuff to listen to in there and these small differences. When you get kind of in a trance like that, then small differences actually become big differences. And so when it jumps to a different register or something, it makes a big difference. So that's what I was zoned in on the second time. And it was uh, fascinating. Your thoughts, Hannah, on this second <laughs> listen? Yeah, I, re- I was really paying attention to the beat. And it's just so like boots and cats and boots and cats and boots, but <laughs> definitely like slower, of course. And it's just the quality of that brings so much, of course, the beat to the song, but then the quality of the beat itself brings so much to the overall mood of the piece that I really enjoy. So it was really, this whole experience is really fun in a sense where like you really get to, to magnify glass up to a piece and just explore and understand, okay, why it does it have these elements that I enjoy so much. And it's definitely the mellowness for sure. Yeah. Well, I think you get that from both the beat and, and what I was just listening to now, which is the kind of lack of a melody, but instead just this ebbing and flowing harmonic background, because basically what you have is just, it's like the waves of an ocean or something. It just Mm -hmm. comes in and out slowly. um, And there's not a lot for the ear to to focus on there necessarily more uh, but but there, but there is there's a lot of different sonic qualities but it's not something where your ear is jumping back and forth drawn to this uh you know very singable melody or something like that so i'm realizing that i haven't even begun to mention i haven't really listened to the voice at all in this so i have no idea what they're saying in this song i have no idea um, what the voice even really sounds like. That's something I find myself doing when I listen to pop songs in general is I just, I, I don't really listen to the voice for some reason. Um, I think I'm probably unique in that is, do you tend to listen to the voice first, Hannah, or? Yeah. And even on re-listens, I, my brain will focus on the voice and, um, it takes a lot of, uh, remaneuvering my thoughts thinking to focus on other things. Yeah. Um, and this podcast is a great help to uh, rediscover p- parts of pieces that I really enjoy and and um, pulling back the veil on them and discovering like, oh my gosh, it's got a great trumpet line yeah. in the back that I haven't been noticing before. But I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I'm very lyrically motivated in pop music so I will listen unlike you first to the voice and what they're saying um and how their voice sounds I'm I'm constantly critiquing someone's voice like oh do they sound good and do I like what they're saying um yeah that's my typical main focus it's interesting I think you're probably in the majority there and I think Mm -hmm. that's probably a result of my classical instrumental training that I, I just completely tune that out in a way. But it's I think it's both of us can benefit and our listeners can benefit from listening to the other stuff. You know, if you know you gravitate one way, then you can be aware of that and try to listen to the other stuff sometimes. Um, so that's what I'm, I mean, I'm going to see what happens on this third listen, but I think I'm going to be listening for the voice primarily. And uh, let's see how this goes. We'll listen one more time and uh, get some impressions. Oh, 
So third listen, I did end up listening primarily to the vocals there, and I honestly didn't <laughs> I didn't catch many of the words. One of the one of the um, interesting things about this experience is it's really illuminated to me how much our ears are tuning out when we focus on something, and this is uh, if you want to learn more about this, we also have a great interview on this podcast. Um, on our episode called How Attention Works with Stefan Vanderstiegel, who has written a book about this phenomenon, but how when we focus on one thing, we kind of have to blur a lot of other things out. And if you've ever, you know, taken a psych class or something and seen the gorilla video, for example, um, that's a great example of that. If not, you should go see the gorilla video on YouTube. You can just type in gorilla psych video. Um, but that's kind of what was going on here for me. I uh, I realized, first of all, that I had barely even noticed who the singer was uh, or what their voice sounded like, let alone what they were saying. And so I was drawn to the fact first that like the singer seems to, I don't know if it's two singers or, or one singer, but they seem to oscillate between this kind of falsetto range, a higher range of their voice where it's very pure. It may even be... You know, it sounds almost slightly computer-altered, uh, auto-tuned, or something like that, where it's this very pure sound. And then a little more kind of human element to the voice when they get in a slightly lower register and they start singing down there. Um, and then there were these other interesting moments where, like the moment that I was drawn to where the the harmony behind goes much higher and the beat drops out, the voice actually drops out and there's these kind of background choruses of voices that are just kind of adding little, I couldn't pick out words, but the actual primary vocal line drops out and you hear these other things in the background. Um, and so I actually found myself drawn to the voice was, it's not a complicated melody that the voice is singing, you know, it stays pretty much in the same place, but it's oscillating between these two timbres of voice or sound qualities. And then there are these moments also towards the end, there's, it's kind of what we would call polyphonic or multiple things going on at the same time where there's a single line being sung by the singer and these background choruses are adding stuff at the same time. So it all kind of comes together at the end. But I found that very interesting as well, and I still have not really managed to listen. I noticed that the chorus involves the words, fittingly, help me lose my mind, um, like it's you help me lose my mind or something, but, but there was no room in my brain for any sort of like lyrical, poetic analysis or anything like that because there was too much to focus on 
in the music. Um, so that's my impression. Loved listening to this three times. It uh, it, was, it was fascinating. Hannah, what about uh, what about you? What did you hear this this last time? Yeah, like you, I I decided to focus on the voice this time, but more so um, analyze the quality of the voice, which is not something that I've really dove in on before with uh, London Grammar. I do on occasion listen to London Grammar just for the moodiness. Um, And you're so right in that there's not a lot of um, uh, change or there's not a lot of you know, strenuous types of change in what the singer is singing, um, which tracks uh, with the group, I would say. So I, I definitely noticed that and just made mental note like, oh, yeah, there's she's there's not much of dynamism, I would say. But it's so there's such a purity in the voice that I really um, enjoy. It just feels very cleansing to listen to. Um so yeah, I think overall, like that's what I noticed in this most recent listen is is the validation as to why I enjoy listening to London Grammar is that the quality of the voice really tracks for what I try to listen to. Yeah, well, I I have loved doing this exercise, and I think more than any specific technique uh, that we're trying to to give our listeners on this particular pod, I hope it just goes to kind of show uh, and encourage our listeners to re-listen attentively because that's really all we're doing here is just paying attention when we re-listen. I've listened to that Haydn clip uh, hundreds of times just because it's fun and I'm basically tuning out and it's it's very peppy and it gets me kind of excited and that's all it's doing for me but I just throw it on in the background and it's and it's fun. But if you listen, it, it takes more mental energy, it takes more investment, but if you re-listen in this way, I think you can discover tons of stuff about uh, the music that you you listen to all the time that you you might not have even noticed. And my hope is that, I don't know how you feel about this, Hannah, but I don't think it it ruins it per se. I mean, I think you could go back and listen to this song now and, and zone out and it would be perfectly fine, but but you've you've kind of taken the time to appreciate it a little bit more. Maybe you have a greater sense of of appreciation for this and other songs like it. Um, so yeah, what I, I, any any kind of final takeaways on on this this re-listening exercise? I think actually listening to you talk about your reactions has been very beneficial, and I might even recommend it to our listeners to, you know, in a in a group if you're hanging out with somebody COVID friendly, like and you you can listen to a piece together, have this back and forth the way that Jacob and I are having right now, and and see what other people are picking up in the re-listen because that's actually very, very valuable. Um, so, and that's what I've enjoyed the most from our discussion today, especially of this piece in that, oh, I'm, I'm understanding why it sounds the way it sounds from this, um, classically trained musician. Um, so I think it was such a rewarding and fun experience. Yeah, well, for me too, and I would have absolutely never listened to this song unless you had suggested <laughs> it to me. So I'm, I'm glad this is unfortunately not something that would appear in my Spotify Discover. I actually think that it's something I've um, been writing about recently, like the specifically the Spotify Discover tab and like the weekly. That it's it's double edged. It can it can show you a lot of new stuff, but it can also like really kind of harden your existing preferences. Um, 
because it it's an algorithm that that knows what you like and will give you more stuff that you like. And so um, it's it's a great exercise. I think what Hannah suggested there was great. Get some friends together. And I know it doesn't sound like the, the coolest thing in the world to do, but, but you know, get some friends together and have a little listening party and, and listen to uh, different types of music. And then, uh, and then do something cooler like, you know, have a, have a massive rave and play some EDM in the background or something like that. I'm not, I'm not a cool person, so I can't suggest anything particularly cool for our listeners to do. But have a nice little listening party and uh, expand your musical horizons a little bit like like we just did here so i want to thank uh hannah so much for for joining us again today hope you're staying nice and warm do you have a um do you have a favorite uh here's i'm going to demonstrate my cultural awareness and how up to date i am in in the world do you have a favorite bernie meme that you've seen in the last uh, oh couple my days god um the hamilton was really funny I haven't have seen you that se- one. Have you seen the the ghost uh, meme? No. Oh, do you know that movie Ghost? Nope. Um, See, I uh, thought I was going to demonstrate my out. my cultural knowledge, but it's it's backfiring. The orchestra I mean, ones are funny. The orchestra, the orchestra ones, ones are pretty. Are... There's a lot of like Bernie sitting in the flute <laughs> section, just like you know, just waiting. I'm counting my 180 measures of rest. Um, yeah, it's helped me to learn what a meme is, which I didn't really know before what? a few days ago. Yeah, I've always, I've kind of known, but I've, I've never really understood the distinction between a meme and a GIF, and I think I do now. But um, in any case, um, that's where we're at. Welcome to the twenty first century. Thank you. It's still mind boggling to me that people, uh, it's a thing that people just like scroll through memes uh, all day. Um, I can't say that that sounds like something I would ever do in my life, but nonetheless, uh, to each their own. I encourage our listeners to go uh, listen to a little bit of classical music or uh, anything else and maybe re-listen a little bit and and, uh, do so attentively. So with that, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us, and we will see all of our listeners back here soon. Mm -hmm.